Oh, turn it up. Got your icon pass, powder slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $2.59 adult? Okay. Done. Like an associate pastor who decided to make some changes to the order of worship while the senior pastor was preaching downstairs, Peter was in hot water. You see, Peter was in Joppa. This was right after he raised a woman by the name of Dorcas. That's her real name. It's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. You might also know her as Tabitha. Peter had a vision. One of those Holy Spirit life is never going to be the same being dragged into a new direction kind of vision. Peter observed the dietary laws of the Jewish people. And these practices were so ingrained into who he was that Peter could not imagine consuming food in any other way apart from these laws. He knew deep down in his bones that not only were these laws that he had been following his whole life rooted in Holy Scripture, but that these laws were a matter of life and death for his community. You see, for centuries, Israel had been under or been on the receiving end of persecution and mockery from occupying nations, both in and out of exile, for adhering to these laws. But these laws provided consistency and assurance to a group of people who had been on the receiving end of change at the hands of their oppressors over the course of multiple generations. It would take a monumental vision, a Moses in the burning bush, Jesus at the transfiguration, or even Jesus walking on water type of moment for Peter to budge. In chapter 10 of the book of Acts, St. Luke writes that Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened up and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and a voice came to him. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. After that vision, Peter went to an officer's home. This officer was in the Roman army. As Linnea told the kids, Peter went to the house of a Gentile. That's the Bible's way of telling us that the home Peter was going to was full of non-people who were not Jewish. And Peter would enter the home of a man responsible in part for the Roman Empire's occupation of Israel. The officer, Cornelius, and his entire household were baptized after receiving the Holy Spirit. Here's what St. Luke tells us in chapter 10. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
And Peter commanded them to baptize these people in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter remained with them for a few days. Church, we are never quick to change. And that's mostly by design. The church will never be all things to all people. We do believe that all people are recipients of God's grace. All people are welcomed, and we need all people to be the church. But the lordship of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is our primary focus as a church. It's our primary focus in worship, in study, and in mission. Orthodoxy, the beliefs held by the church along with orthopraxy, the practices, our physical movements, the things we do and why we do them. They help us keep our focus on the Lordship of Jesus Christ and not on the celebrity of the person making the proclamation or the latest trends or headlines. Yet Peter's vision and his response to the works of the Holy Spirit throw a wrench into our neatly curated doctrines and discipline. That the church holds on to. You see, it's not that Peter baptized the wrong people that got him in trouble. Did you notice their grievance? Jim did a great job making sure that you could hear the grievance. The people in Jerusalem were upset because, they said, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter sat at the wrong table with the wrong people. Peter, eating in the home of Cornelius, violated the dietary laws that he had observed his entire life. Remember, Peter told the Lord during this vision that he had, By no means, Lord, for nothing uncommon or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Eating a meal at the wrong table with the wrong people is what brought questioning upon Peter, just as it brought questioning upon Jesus during his ministry. A vision from God. And then the prodding of the Holy Spirit upended the constancy Peter and his Jerusalem contemporaries had held on to, for good reason, for generations. You see... It's not just that Peter was released from these laws that he had observed his entire life. The Lord said to him, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. It's not just that the food that Peter was consuming during this meal was considered unclean. It was the people he was seated at the table with, the Gentiles. That's the Bible's way of saying people who are not Jewish. It's the Bible's way of saying you and me. And with the opening of the tomb, Jesus' Easter morning victory over sin and death, our uncleanliness caused by that which Christ is victorious over, sin and death, it's been washed clean. We have been washed clean. Creation, all of it, is what God has made clean. This is precisely what John is writing about in the book of Revelation in chapter 21 when he writes down what God said to him. See, I am making all things new. 
all things, no asterisks, not this group, but all things. Every corner of creation is going to be made new. And so that leaves us with a lingering question. Retired United Methodist Bishop and all-around church curmudgeon, Reverend Will Willimon asks, will we allow the Holy Spirit to prod us today, to give us a vision, to drag us, as it dragged our apostolic, apostolic forebears, kicking and screaming all the way toward the wideness of God's mercy? In just a few minutes, we will pray that Charlie is so filled with the same Holy Spirit that moved the home of Cornelius, the same Holy Spirit that descended at Pentecost, that Charlie is never the same. He will be a different person when he walks out of this building today than he was when he walked in. And because he will not be the same, we pray that we as a community will not be the same. That's because the work of the Holy Spirit moves us beyond our bolted-down pews and our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy towards the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, towards the wideness of God's mercy. Don't misunderstand me. Church doctrine and discipline and practice are necessary for the church, just as the law was necessary for Peter and is for Israel. But our attachment to the constancy and doctrine and practice puts us at a disadvantage when it comes to the work of God because often we see the way, the, the thing, we see the way things are or the way things used to be as being more powerful than what God is doing before our very eyes. Still, church, we bear witness to the world to the one who does not see our comfort in constancy and unchanging lives as a hurdle to the wideness of God's mercy. This was the case when Peter received his rooftop vision and when the Holy Spirit descended upon Cornelius and his home. This was the case when Jesus dined with the wrong people, eating dinner with a man by the name of Zacchaeus, and in doing so, extending grace to a man who had cheated his neighbors. It was the case when the power and sin and death could not hold back the gravestone. And it will be the case in just a few moments when the waters of baptism clothe Charlie in new life. And oddly enough, that's the same new life that all of us have been and will continue to be clothed in as well. Amen.